like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast, Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how three 20-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of BitCon, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Before we begin, stories of sexual abuse are discussed in this episode. If you or a loved one need help, please call the National Sexual Assault Hotline at 800-656-HOPE-4673 for confidential 24-7 support. Hey, y'all. Hey, what's up? And welcome to Let's Red Table That. I'm Tracy T. Rowe. And I'm Cara Presley. How are you feeling today, Tracy? I am feeling every day. Amazing. You already know. But I want you to know, one of the things that is going on here in the land of Tracy T. Rowe is backyard action. I'm still on my mission (laughs) for the backyard. Somebody, we need to get you some theme music for some, like frolicking music. (laughs) What's going on in Tracy's backyard? What is it? What's going on this week? Right, right. So what's going on this week? It's all about the trees. Okay. Okay. So we had this, like, storm come through and it was ice. I just want you to know, we haven't had an ice storm here, like a real ice storm (laughs) since 1994, where the ice is weighing heavy on the limbs and the lines and power outage and the whole nine. So we had that recently and trees were not happy. I believe it. (laughs) They were beautiful though, but they were sad because they were like, no, I can't bear the weight of it all and broke. So we... Okay, so, trees, we hear your voice. <laughs> yes, I was sad because you could hear them cracking. The mission for the week is tree trimming and tree oh. cutting. There are so many trees now that just look sad. And the last mm. thing I want to do is cut a tree. I actually, I refuse to cut the tree. There, there's The tree has an asymmetric bob right now. Okay. Sis. Okay, T-Boss, the tree. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> That's what's happening over here in Tracy land. I'm determined that we're going to have some shade because you know how important it is in the summertime. You need a little bit of shade in your life. Well, I and not understand. in the shady shade. You know what I'm no. saying. No, yeah, not that shade. <laughs> 
Listen, we are definitely in alignment because I too have been doing some tree trimming and we are now accepting donations. Yeah, see? Yeah. Right. <laughs> because who knew I'm in the wrong industry? I should be cutting down trees. I don't know why this isn't my business. Make it your business. Trees are expensive. I'm just tired. Mm. I don't want to plant them. I don't want to dig them up. I don't want to pay for them. I am I just I am stressed. Oh, wait a minute. Don't be stressed. Trees are expensive. They definitely need to be trimmed. I have been here for oh. 15 years and I have just okay. been allowing them to flourish. Okay. And they can flourish no more. Well, you know what else was flourishing? This episode of Mother Hunger, oh my goodness. Let me tell you something. Licensed professional counselor Kelly McDaniel shared about Mother Hunger at the Red Table. And Kelly described Mother Hunger as an emptiness daughters feel when their mothers have not fulfilled three developmental needs in Mm -hmm. their childhood. Those three developmental needs are nurturance, protection, and guidance. Yeah, I I didn't even know it was a thing, but it definitely opened my eyes. What about you? Oh, my goodness, yes. And how? I was like, I have mother hunger. I have it. (laughs) It was real bad. And the thing that was so interesting to me about it was it gave me the opportunity to give it a name first. And I identified totally with being able to divide it into those three categories and say, now that I know that mother Mm -hmm. hunger is a thing, what Mm -hmm. is it? Yeah. And then it was like, Go back to my childhood, like rewind. Absolutely. Reevaluated different relationships Did with you? my mom and how we how we talked, how we interacted. And I realized yeah. what I liked, what I didn't like. We'll dive into it, but I definitely yeah. talked about some things that I'm doing to break a cycle. First of all, I didn't even know I suffered from it. But then mother hunger comes up. And it's like maternal deprivation. I immediately went to Audible and, and added it to my library. I had to because I wanted to know more. It was right. like the tip of the iceberg for what she shared. Right. And it. let me see if I can put it into words, Car, to explain. Like, it was, you know how if you imagine that there is some part of you that's been locked down, that mm-hmm. you've been keeping it, it's vaulted. Mm-hmm. Having the opportunity at the table to see someone say mother hunger was like giving me a key. Mm-hmm. And it literally unlocked a part of me and it gave me an opportunity to say, okay, I can let this out. I can identify that this is real, that what I experienced is not an isolated experience. Other people are are also hungry. You're not alone. I'm not alone. And this has a name. And that's the beauty, again, of the table. Red Table Talk literally gives you information. Like, every single episode, there's Mm -hmm. something to learn. I love Mm -hmm. that. Yeah, listen, I was a private school kid. I had a great childhood growing up when I talk about it generally. But when I really tap in, like, Mm -hmm. I put my mama through some things. So maybe Mm. I thought that I deserved certain treatment or maybe I just didn't want to put a blame on her because who wants to talk bad about their mom? Mm -hmm. So I'm sure we'll unpack that as we talk today. But I didn't know what to call it. What do you say? Plus, I'm still growing and learning and got the nerve to have my own child. So I immediately also thought about what I have given him, haven't given him. I asked him right before this episode, hey, have I, as a mom, just asking, is there anything uh-huh. that I haven't done or have done? And he was like, no, nah, you're great. Okay. Yeah. So you're not listening, but that's fine. <laughs> yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> but I did learn a lot of things. Something Ursula Carr Pizarro said on the Red Table Facebook page, which we are so happy to stay engaged because we get input from everywhere, was that she learned about the shake it off or keep it moving mothering style from Mm -hmm. her mother, and her Mm -hmm. mother learned it from her mom. Not the absence of love, but the disconnect from the emotions. Not time to heal, keep the ship afloat. This is something we all saw in this episode, right? Like, it 
trickles and ripples into so many different things. Yeah. Keep it moving. Keep it moving. You have to. No time to feel. You can't even stop and just tap into how you're feeling. Are you feeling anything or are you right. just numb? I just applaud them. Gammy and Jada and Willow once Ooh. again. Transparent as usual. Totally. Totally. We appreciate them as usual totally. because absolutely appreciate they don't have them. to share a piece of their lives at all. Now, I really believe that shows like this are changing lives as they connect mm-hmm. with communities and we build with communities. Mm-hmm. Listen, I think it might be time to hear from our community. Talking about the community? Yes, that's it. It's time to hear from our community on this episode of Let's Red Table That. Our community is absolutely our backbone. So Uh we decided to ask them, how have you seen the ways your mother treated you as a child impact your adult life? And here are some of their answers. Tracy, go ahead and kick it off. This comes from Isola Wrightmore Walker, and she says, I've grown from the mother experience I have had. It was not perfect, but it was God's way of perfecting me. Mm, that is that is deep. That's I mean, some it's... realized, full-grown womanhood right there. I love that. Teresa Smith-Hill said, This is such a powerful episode. I see so much of this. Adult women making struggle decisions because they're emotionally stunted at an age of a young girl hungering for their mother's love in a language that they can comprehend and receive. Wow. And at 52, I have only just realized in the past three years that my need to feel protected is because I didn't get that from my mother. A loving woman she was, she simply failed to protect me. Huge child, I could go on. Thank you, Teresa, because I think you're not the only woman who feels that way. You're not. Yeah, shout out to Teresa Smith-Hill. That's one of my Memphis sister friends, Red Table Talk Mm. sisters. And we are not finished hearing from the community. Nicole Fields says, As a teen, I thought my mom was weak for some of the things she put up with. However, she always showed up for us no matter what. As an adult, I realized how much strength it took to endure some of the things and still show up for us. I found myself as a parent calling her to say thanks or even apologizing for the things I took for granted. Nicole Fields, we want to say that we love you and know that you are loved and seen and we are proud of you. And Nicole recently lost her mom, so we want to send our condolences on the loss of her mom. Yes. But that statement in itself is powerful, and I think this episode is going to have a lot of women just stepping back and saying, how do I feel about my mom? What Mm. did I get or didn't I get? It's going to be interesting, y'all. We're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, we'll be joined by two guests from our Red Table Talk community. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Every family has skeletons in their closet. Mine certainly does. Ones that go back a hundred years and reach thousands of miles back to our hometown in Sicily. Ever since I can remember, my relatives told the story of my great-great-grandmother who was killed by the mafia. I'm Joe Piazza, and in my new podcast, I'm taking on a generational vendetta, visiting the scene of the crime, confronting mafia experts, tracking down Italian officials, and even consulting mediums. 
to set the record straight on my great-great-grandmother's mysterious disappearance. And in between the fact-finding missions, I'll be drinking a lot of wine and eating all of the pasta. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And today we are bringing two fellow Red Table Talk community members on to Let's Red Table That. Mary Washburn is a lifetime resident of Memphis, and for the past two years, she was taking care of her mother here in Memphis until her mother passed this January. This episode of Red Table Talk resonated with Mary more than any other because she feels the mother hunger Kelly McDaniel shared. Six months before her mother passed, Mary was able to make peace with the relationship that she did have with her mother, and she just wishes she would have had more time to enjoy the newfound peace with her mom. Marion, thank you so much for coming on Let's Red Table That to share about your journey with your mother. Thank you for having me. Our other guest, Natasha Stevens, is a doula from right here in Richmond, Virginia, which is perfect for this episode. I knew she'd be perfect because Natasha literally gets to be present at the very beginning of a mother and daughter's relationship. Natasha said that watching this episode of Red Table Talk was very emotional for her because the deprivation of nurturance, protection, and guidance is something that she understands all too well. And we are grateful that you're joining us today, Natasha, Mm -hmm. to share about your own mother hunger 
and how that affects your life and how you parent your children today. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm grateful to be here. Yes, I know. I'm excited. And if I can share, she look, she's a doula and she's with child. I'm so excited about yes. this journey. Now that we've introduced our guests, this is the part of the show where we reveal which moments made us pause, rewind, Mm -hmm. and listen again. So guests, feel free to weigh in. Let's just jump into it. Yes, because it's what? Wait, what? what? One of the first moments is when Gammy shared how much she loved cuddling and sleeping with Willow after Touch was so absent from her relationship with her mother and her relationship with Jada. Do you remember how you always wanted to... Cuddle. Cuddle oh, yeah. and sleep yeah. with us. I mean, and you let me sleep with oh, you. I, I know, we, that's what I'm saying. We cuddled a lot. But that yeah. was different for her. Yeah. She never yeah. cuddled with me. That was interesting to me. How did you guys feel about that? I didn't grow up with the I love yous or the giving hugs and things. Like, it's completely awkward. You're doing this because family's around. Then maybe everybody's, like, hugging and stuff. Yes. But I hugged other people like my relatives more than my in-house family in regards to like my parents when we were growing up I don't ever remember hugging my brother growing up oh. and it was just the two of us but my mom and my dad definitely not we didn't say I love you although I felt and feel Carl, you know like I felt and feel how much mm-hmm. I adore my kids right, right. when I first had my boys almost 21 years ago I had to consciously tell myself to tell them that I love them I did because the I didn't same grow up thing. with that yes yeah. I didn't grow up with that. Yeah. I can relate to that. I was telling the girls as we were talking, I was so excited about this episode because watching it made me realize, Dad, I got a little mother hunger. Like, I was telling them it felt like my mom's love or my parents' love was like an understood thing. You don't Mm -hmm. necessarily need to ask for it or look for I love you. I love you because what? These lights on, you in the house. (laughs) That's just where we are. So it was like an understood thing. And as I got older, I made a point to tell my son I love him, hug him constantly. And I revisited with my mom. So now we say Mm -hmm. that and do that more in my adult life than I've ever Mm -hmm. done with her. But you can feel... The act. Does that make sense, Natasha? Like, goodbye, mom. You can feel the whole hug. You can feel the words coming out of both of your mouths because it is not a constant practice. What's so interesting about that is that Gammy identified that she had such an experience. She was so nurturing and loving and cuddling with Willow that then she realized how much she missed it with Jada and that it was such a horrible loss for her when she Uh identified that. I wonder if either your mothers have had any kind of awakening like Gammy did with any of their grandchildren or other family members that they may be closer to. I don't think my mom ever did. The bittersweet part of her still not being here is that once I started healing, I didn't get an opportunity to really share this new feeling that I have where maybe it would have resonated with her and helped her maybe reach out more. But I I just think because of her growing up in the environment she grew up in and what she was taught, she just never would do it. My brother, who passed in 96, he said to me in the early 80s, Marion, this is probably all that you and mom's relationship will ever be. And I didn't like that. It didn't feel good. Mm -hmm. So I spent the rest of 
my time with her trying to change it and trying to get her to be something that would make me feel better. I'd say six months before she passed, I realized, okay, Mary, you've got to find this piece for yourself Mm -hmm. and not try to get it from her. And that's when I started my healing with it. I think there are a few things that are like, that just came on this episode, they're like running into each other. We're going to prove that we can train these babies and these, might as well say animals. It's kind of how they were treating us. We're not going to spoil them. We're not going to pick them up. And you can't spoil a baby. No, No, exactly. There's no such thing. No, and I love that you brought that up because the real definition of spoil is to leave something on a shelf to rot. Yeah. So we spoil our babies when we leave them alone too long. Natasha, I definitely want to hear your perspective as a doula and a mom yourself how do these, we're going to say, go ahead and say ancient, because that's over 100 years ago. How do these ancient practices impact us today? What is the true meaning of spoil? What should we be doing? What can we change early on? We can spoil our kids. That's what we can do. <laughs> Love on them. Look at us now. Love on these kids. <laughs> Love on them. Okay. It's just ridiculous. I love that. She was like, we can spoil them. We can spoil them. Love them. Yeah. I will forever. They're only children for a little while. You right. know, that's true. 18 years. You never get that time back. That's true. If someone had just told me that having babies, like having the baby was the shortest thing I would ever experience because they are definitely adults longer than their babies. I just, I probably would have had a completely Mm -hmm. different perspective. I did not realize. I'm excited about this baby that I'm having now because when I was pregnant with my twins, I was 19. I'm 40 now. And I tell my kids, like, you all grew up with me as a 19-year-old struggling in a toxic household with my parents, hating being there. Mm. So now I'm 40, and you got me as a mom, and I did things right and I did things wrong. But this baby is going to get the best of me because I'm in such a different space now. I have experiences. I've lived. And so, spoil? Oh, my goodness. On the shelf. I agree. Like, spoiled, (laughs) rotten. Okay, so now this is so interesting. When Guess Rochelle shared that she refuses to be away from her children, her daughters, she had two beautiful girls, so she basically has no social life. Rochelle says she refuses to be away from her kids for more than a few hours, turning down invites to girls' trips and going to dinner only if she knows she'll be home for bedtime. Did this sound healthy or realistic to y'all? No. Not at all. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Bless her heart. (laughs) You cannot be completely wrapped up in these children only because you are a woman first. You are a human first. There is more than just motherhood. Let me tell y'all, when I saw this, I said... Wait, what? Hello? You are going to lose your whole mind Mm -hmm. when they get grown and leave. Like, she's going to have an identity crisis. She's going to fall apart. I can attest to that. Yeah, she's going to run around singing DMX. I'm about to lose my mind up in here because (laughs) she has literally lost herself and her kids. And the thing that was interesting, moreover, was that the women at the table were like, yeah, you know, yeah, that's good. I was like, what? It's not healthy. What's I missing? Natasha, tell us, how can you relate? When I first had my twins, they were sick. They were preemies. They were a month early. And so I didn't want nobody to breathe on them, come see them. I didn't want to take them nowhere. My mother hated it because she was so excited about the boys. But I didn't want anybody to be around my kids and I lost myself in that. 
as a 19-year-old and a 20-year-old, my friends hanging out, they drinking and they're doing all these things. And I'm saying, no, I can't go to the point where I was only a mother and mm. nothing else. Mm-hmm. And so I do feel like I lost myself in that because as my kids got older, it's like, well, what do I like? Mm-hmm. I just feel for Rochelle. Her kids are getting older now and she may be back for another episode of how do you find yourself after your children are grown. All the women in this episode seem to truly benefit from learning about mother hunger and finally identifying what they've been feeling their whole lives. This was true for me as well, y'all. I want you to know that I watched this and I was like, oh, wait, that's what this is called? It has a term, maternal deprivation, Thanks. mother hunger. I felt relieved, honestly. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then it was also mm-hmm. the shock of, oh, I have this. I have mother hunger. I recognize that my mom, she was a provider because of her scheduling. She worked second shift. Kids are on first shift because you go to school. Mm-hmm. We didn't have the mom wakes up and makes your breakfast and sends you off to school with your lunch bag and meets you at the door and goes to your extracurricular activities and all that stuff. I didn't have that. Now, did I want for anything? No, I didn't. But because my mom was very much in the mindset of, I'm going to make sure the household is taken care of. You have a roof over your head. You have clothes. You have everything that you need. I never felt like there was any room for me to identify that I was lacking anything. How has mother hunger shown up for you? Mother hunger has prevented (laughs) me from being able to develop relationships mm-hmm. because I don't believe or I didn't and I'm still learning to believe when someone cares come on oh, you know yeah. because it, it's like that's awkward Good, yeah like what do you mean you like me a little bit you love me a little <laughs> bit and this is Girl. any relationship this is yeah. female friendship this is platonic right. this is anything it's like you like me yeah peace I'm out because you're doing the mm-hmm. most it taught me to not trust people Mm -hmm. because I don't even trust that my mom loves me and cares for me even though in her heart I know that she did she did and she does Mm -hmm. I didn't feel liked for me when it comes to relationship friendship intimate relationship if they didn't last I would go through a little emotional thing but it wouldn't last long it would be brief because I'll just move on because I don't expect that kind of love to exist as well. It's going to come and go. My heart may be broken for a week or two, but now I'm going to move on to the next because Mm. I never believed that it could ever be forever because just not getting it from mom. I'm like, I know if mom won't do it, no one else will. And my mom would always say, never put your trust in anyone. And she would tell us that through our life. She would say, not even me. Don't even put your trust in me. It was just weird to digest that because she's providing everything. She's protecting me. But then she said, don't even trust me because mom would let you down. I would tell anyone. The main thing, which was hard for me to do, is to take 100% responsibility for my experience with my mom. Mm -hmm. That was kind of uncomfortable, but I've got to take responsibility for this and stop putting so much on her and wanting her to change. Marion, what can I do so I can feel better? Right. Minus my mom. And once I started doing that and realizing that, okay, hey, she has a story too. I may not know all of it. She has a story too. And I'm going to give my mom a break and get up off of her Mm. and just love her, show compassion, spend quality time with her, hug her, even if I didn't feel that she was okay with it. I'm going to do that 
for me, mm-hmm. not to change her. Right. Just for me so I can feel better. Right. Because we don't know what our parents went through, to your point. Right. We really just don't know. One thing I heard in the episode that we're definitely about to tap into is along those lines. They talked in the episode about who's the celestial mom, right? The mom, like the ideal mom in your head that you created. I think it's important that we come up with who our celestial mother is. The mother we create is mm-hmm. the mother that adores us, wanted us, who we admire. And you may actually think of a woman that you know. You're like, oh yeah, I wish my mom were like that. You create that mother and that's who you cry to. Natasha and I are probably like one of the first of that TV generation as well mm-hmm. who just had that ideal. But because we are at this virtual red table and we are all women of color, I feel like this is deeper than just the mom on TV or the ideal mom. I think there's an idea among parents and I know we've seen it in this black community. If I had to struggle, you had to struggle. Right. I, mm-hmm. I like to call it leftover slave stuff. Tell me what you mean by leftover slave stuff. Leftover slave stuff, not only did we not see the example? We were doing that. What's his name? Dr. Watson. We were doing that before it was a Dr. Watson. What do you mean? Because of the history of African Americans. Nurture who? It's time for you to go ahead and when you start walking, I guess you're going on into the field or whatever you're doing. What I mean is we didn't have the energy to love on because we were constantly in this survival type pattern. Mm. This is actually my own term. I just feel like it's generation after generation. Black parents have overcompensated in the area of providing. They don't have time to nurture you. They are in survival. I gotta go to work. You don't even want to ask for a hug because they gotta run out the door and go to work. And on top of that, for me, whatever I felt about it, number one, if they didn't acknowledge it, it probably wasn't validated anyway. I heard this in the episode as well. If I felt a certain kind of way about my mom, I really didn't look at her I looked at myself like what did I do so how do we talk about these issues without feeling like we're just disparaging our moms who we knew they each grew up with their own baggage this is one of the one times I can say that I have a absolute polar opposite opinion about what Cara just said so I have an opposite opinion too okay Okay, I'd love to hear it. Listening to what Miss Marianne was saying, my pain is different because I was a kid. And so I feel like as a kid, what do you mean, what did I do? Thinking about my own kids and our relationship, there is nothing that my kids could do that would make mm-hmm, me mm-hmm. blame them for something that I'm doing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I don't feel like I could have did anything any different to make her treat me or make me feel like she was treating me any better. I'm your kid. I'm the kid. If I go to school or anywhere in general and someone mistreats me as a kid, like I am a kid, I am learning, I am trying, I'm testing the boundaries, I'm doing these things. But does that mean that it's okay to make me feel unwanted or unloved? I feel like I'm one of the first parents in my family and or generation who wants to listen to their children. Consider their perspective, Always. not just do as I'm told, yes. not mm-hmm. just do it because I say yes. it. Like, it's the first time I'm like, let me hear your feelings. I'm truly remembering how I felt as a child, trying to guide and change that narrative. I just feel like my mom didn't have time for it. I think you said earlier, this episode literally is a ripple effect Girl. and it's just a really a web. It's woven into the fabric of so many other things. Part of my healing was something that I had to realize and it dawned on me when I saw Red Table Talk. She did nurture me while I was in her womb and that's helping me heal. Mm-hmm. She just didn't know how to do it once I was born. Okay. Mm-hmm. I will say that I 100% believe that unlike the comment about I had to struggle, you had to struggle. I don't think that mothers 
intentionally do that to their daughters. What I no. think happens is, and I can say this in my case, that my mother was adamant that we were going to have better and live a better life than she did. And her focus was on that so much so that she tried to expose us to all kinds of things that she had never even dreamed of. And that drive for better I think was a fuel or one of the fuels that led to the mother hunger for me. I think that all mothers fundamentally want better for their children. I think that in that statement you just said, the mother who wants their child to have better, the execution of what that looks like looks different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And their perspective has to be in alignment. The person who says, I'm not going to give my child a fruit snack because I don't want them to gain weight, doesn't mean that they don't want the best for their life. They're using the path they think that makes sense versus someone who says, I'm going to give my child the fruit snack so they don't eat later. The action of what it looks like to get to a better life is the part that's the disconnect. I feel like every yes. mother's execution is different. Every time I see someone get locked up and they're just on the news, no matter who they are, the first thing I think is no mother prayed for that. Right. right. Nobody wanted that to be the end goal. Every mom wants this child to be something, whatever their amazing is going to be. But the path of what that looks like for some people I know looks different. And you think about it, we all have identified that this episode apparently resonated because we we are in the thick of yeah. it, okay? But who did you look <laughs> toward? Here. Who did you look toward for nurturance and for safety and for guidance since you were lacking it from your mom? So my grandmother, my father's mother passed. It's been years and years. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I don't know if I intentionally looked for her for guidance. She just was it for me. We went over there for Sunday dinner. She was the grandmother that if we were going on vacation, she not only slipped me money, she slipped my parents money. I never went in and left there or anything or saw them at all without hugging and kissing on my dad's parents. I always felt wanted. I have a friend that says it now. She's like, I love how you always tell your kids that you love them over and over again because I don't ever want them to forget it. When I was growing up and I would walk in the room, they wanted me there. And that's the feeling that I feel like you should have as a kid. When my kids walk in the room, I don't care if my kids walk past me five, ten times a day and tell me they love me. And I'm going to keep yes. on saying it back. And I want you to know when you walk in the room, if I just saw you come out the bathroom, or go in the bathroom three minutes ago that I want you to be in this room with me. I want you. I love you. And I got that from my grandparents. I got that from my grandmother that you're always welcome. When I was sick, I would yeah. go over there. We would ride the bus to Tall Hammers downtown and we would... Okay, hold on, Natasha. What is Tall Hammers? <laughs> Stop it. I don't know what that is. <laughs> what is Tall Hammers? What? I don't know what that Broad is. Broad Street? <laughs> Miller and Rhodes? <laughs> the Bridge? Natasha, Natasha, what you... now she's from Memphis. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We in Richmond, okay. Virginia. Hot palpitations. <laughs> she had a full come apart. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. It was a department store and we would ride the bus because my grandmother never drove in her entire life. Neither of my grandparents, actually. My grandmother never rode. So we would walk down to the bus stop at the end of the block and ride down the Tar Hammers on Broad Street. It don't look the same anymore. A department store. Okay. All right. <laughs> 
I'm so grateful to hear that you had your grandmothers. What did you call your grandmother and your grandfather? They were Grandma and Papu. Oh, Papu. Oh, Papu. That's so sweet. So Grandma and Papu loved on you. Yeah, Papu's still living. Papu just turned 97 last Wednesday, y'all. Come on, 97. Happy birthday, Papu. <laughs> we wow. love that. Longevity. <laughs> I didn't have the luxury of that. We moved from Memphis to Michigan when I was young. And so mm-hmm. all of my family on both sides my mom and dad's side lived in the South at the mm-hmm. time. And so we didn't have the opportunity to have the grandparents or the nurturing that was offered through aunties mm. and uncles, cousins, whatever. So my nurturing came from my sister. I'm so grateful. Shout out to Jackie Rowe Fields. I'm so grateful for her because she identified it. She identified, I don't know if she knew what the language was of mother hunger, but she identified that we had it and she mm. was very much a nurturer mm. and still is now. And so I'm grateful mm-hmm. that I had that. Marion, what about you? Who did you look to for nurturance? My nurturing definitely came from my brothers. Mm. My mom taught us to love each other, be there for each other, and that's all we've ever done. Mm-hmm. And then one lady, Miss Iola, she was like a mother figure mm-hmm. to me. and Because when I would be in her presence, I always felt heard. Mm-hmm. She was very nurturing. As a matter of fact, my mom even made the statement one time, I don't like owls. Oh, she felt a little uncomfortable with your relationship. She had never even met her, but she knew I was always around her. But I felt so safe with her. <laughs> and it's like the nurturing that I wanted from mom, Miss Aula did give that to me. She didn't give me money or things or anything yeah. like that. But Just time. Yeah. So interesting. We are erring on the side of nurturance, but those three, mm-hmm. nurturance, protection, and guidance, were the top three things that you know, identify with mother hunger. Mm-hmm. Listen, Kelly McDaniel also said in the episode that she advises against people confronting their mothers about the mother hunger. I don't generally encourage going to her mother because sometimes that leads to another disappointment maybe a fresh rejection and it's very very risky i can definitely see a mom saying maybe that wasn't my experience or that's not what i meant you get defensive i can definitely understand that i know natasha you did try to talk to your mother about your childhood can you please share maybe what happened in that conversation Absolutely. A part of my growing up was me not feeling like I could do things. So I stayed with my parents the majority of my life. I would move out and I would move back in because I didn't feel like I could do it. I felt like that was from (laughs) being told in their own way, like not believing in me and things like that. This was a recent conversation that we had just at the end of last year. And I got my brother and my mom and my dad together. And I was like, I want to have a conversation because I feel like it's important. I need peace. And if this doesn't go in a way where we can resolve things, I'm fully prepared to walk away from these three relationships. Me and my brother got close and that was in 2019. We didn't have the brother-sister relationship growing up. We just, we coexisted. I can relate to that. Mm -hmm. And so... As I went around and I was telling each person, these are the things that I feel, and specifically speaking to my mom, like I never felt loved, I never felt like you really liked me. Everybody around the board started telling me what they did for me. Nobody acknowledged my feelings. So me and my son left the house, and I didn't talk to my family for months. The sad part, not on my end, but the sad part about that was that I was at peace when I left because I felt like I had tried, and I felt like I would much rather not have to deal with something that causes me harm or causes me pain and stress and be okay in peace. My family was hurt by me Mm -hmm. not talking to them when it didn't bother me at all. I was literally at peace with it all. Mm. Is it safe just hearing you say that sounds like a mother hunger moment for you? Absolutely. 
Okay. We identify that there are moments from our childhood that we can say, we know that was a mother hunger moment, but this wasn't from your childhood. This is recent. This is fresh. This is like, I need you to see me and hear me. Yeah. And just acknowledge, mm-hmm. to look me in my face and say, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. All right, I'll holler. One of the things I've recently had to bring myself to say to my son is, you're right. And it'll be something simple because mm-hmm. I want him to be heard yeah. at least, especially if it is actually right. Like, I'm talking about something that small can impact a bigger situation later on. Yeah. What do you identify as your childhood mother hunger moment, Marion? I think my entire childhood. Wow. Wow. And that's why I said I had to really go within. Because, like you said, Natasha, you're 40. At 40, I was still having those feelings. I moved to North Carolina for some months. But there was something inside of me wanted to get back and be near mom. Right. I don't care what kind of conflicts we had or disagreements or what I felt I was lacking from her. I never wanted to be far from mom. I just could never fix it. I knew that I wanted to be near my mom. And thank God I was here with her before she passed. And I cherish that. But... I had to fix me. That way I could enjoy her and not look for this image I had of her. It helped me so much. Natasha, you've been so open and sharing where you are currently and what you have identified as a recent mother hunger that happened. What is one of the experiences you remember from your childhood that was a mother hunger moment? Um, To go crazy deep, I was raped. As a young teenager. Oh, my gosh. And it was by someone, two people, actually. One of those people who we all knew, a family member's ex-boyfriend and someone else. So we were going to hang out. And this was around a time where I am doing what I want to do. I'm going to go and we're going to smoke some weed and we're just going to have a good time. And I got raped. I don't remember a lot of it, but what I do remember is... Coming home and being dropped off later than my curfew. And as I came in the door, I couldn't tell my mom what happened because I was late for curfew and I got my butt whooped. Mm. So I wasn't able to say that this is what happened to me. Tracy, I want to hug you. I want. I wasn't able to say... I want to hug you. <laughs> I, I want to hug you too. Absolutely. I'm, just, I'm overwhelmed. Couldn't even say I need you right now. Yeah. I'm overwhelmed because one of the most horrific violations any person could ever experience happened to you. And you needed to be able to say that and feel that you were covered in the most violated, vulnerable state anyone could ever experience it. I'm sorry, that's why I'm so emotional hearing this because it's just, it's hurting. I just want to be able to let you have the opportunity to be able to say what you need to say in terms of your experience and your story with literally being violated and going home and then being punished and never having the opportunity to say to your mother and father, this is what happened. Then I couldn't put it to words, but as an adult, I can say that I was in survival mode. And I grew up in survival mode, which is another reason why I wanted to have this conversation with my parents so that I could get from that mode and just live freely. Mm -hmm. But a lot of resentment, a lot of like, dad, like I can't even, there's nothing that I can talk to you about that you will believe me, you will trust me, you will 
acknowledge me. Like acknowledgement is really big for me. Just being yes. able mm-hmm. to be mm-hmm. authentically me. Yes. And it has created, going back to what I was saying earlier, it's created a no BS, don't have time. I'm going to kick you to the curb before you ever get a chance to get yes. that close to me because yeah. the people that were close to me, I couldn't go to. I don't know how to ask for help. Or I don't know mm-hmm. how to, I don't even know how to receive it very mm-hmm. good. I'm not good mm-hmm. at receiving compliments. Right. I'm not good at receiving help. I'm not good at depending on people like that. Like I just had a baby shower and I did it myself. Mm. Who does their own baby shower? I'm not good at trusting anybody because I never got a word in. Mm -hmm. I never got a word in in Mm. regards to like, I was late for curfew and I got my ass whooped. Can Mm. I say that? That's just what happened. And I was an adult when I said something to her about it. But by then it's just, I've lived with this and I don't trust, (laughs) I don't trust these men and I don't trust these females. and I don't trust people because the people that I should have trusted, like my father should stand up for me. I didn't get that in the household. The nurturance, right. the protection. Or the guidance. Right. No guidance. No, None of that. You wouldn't allow yourself to be vulnerable as you move beyond that point. I don't know how to. Because you had no expectation of it. I don't expect anybody to give me anything in that manner. I don't expect feelings are hard for me. Yeah. Because I've always had to suppress feelings. Yeah. And I've always had to be hard. Mm-hmm. When I'm soft on the inside, you know what I mean? Like, I'm yes, a baby. Child. But it's like, I know that I have to be this person because you're not going to hurt me. Yeah. You're not going to get into yeah, my right. spirit. You're not going to get into my energy. Mm-hmm. So if it even looked like you're violating me or you're disrespecting me or you're something, I'm out. Right. And that's how it's always been. That's how I was. That's how I was. I can't even imagine how it feels to live in your skin because just hearing about your experience, I went from a completely relaxed state to being completely tense. And Oh, I'm sorry. No, no friend. I'm grateful that you shared that, which is why the Red Table is so important. Red Table right. Talk gives us the platform to have these kind of conversations and let's Red Table that gives us the opportunity to take it another step further yeah. to open us up to have these kind of engaging community exchanges. Yeah. It's just, it's hurting. And Natasha, when you brought that up, that was playing in my head about my experience mm. with being molested. And when you brought that up, that's why I dropped my head because mm. recently, before my mom passed, I brought it up to her. Mm. I shared it with her two other times. Mm. And it was totally ignored. It was totally ignored. <sighs> and the last time I brought it up to her, we were watching TV and it happened on a TV show to a young lady. And I was like, that's how my experience was. I went through that too, Mom, and, and I was molested by this person. What did she say? She didn't say anything. How did you feel in that moment? I, I didn't feel. I didn't feel. People need to hear these stories. I hope everybody listening got tense as Tracy got. We need to hear it. Yeah. If your child runs to you, I, I don't care what they're late for. I need you to listen. How did your night go? What did you do? You just don't know what they may release, share, need to hear from you. Right. I just feel angry. And in my mind, I'm thinking you had two rapists who you knew who they were never brought to justice because you couldn't speak your truth about your violation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a second, because 
How did you navigate your future moving forward? Did you feel just numb? Clearly, these people may have still been around you, family in the setting. Is that when you created that no nonsense? F it. I don't even care no more. Did you just focus on you and go in? So just to keep it real, like sex means nothing. I feel like that's because there's a block. There's a, mm-hmm. a there's an emotional wall, you know, that I acknowledge it and I don't like it. But it is what it is. You know what I mean? Like I try to... <laughs> be vulnerable and mm-hmm. things like that. I have friends that be like, you a dude. And it's not that I'm trying to be like that. I just, I don't know how. That's the way you survive. Yeah, that's survival to me. It's survival to not catch feelings. So the one particular person that it was, I knew one of the guys. The other guy was a friend of the guy that I knew. And so if I was sitting beside him today, I wouldn't know who he was. But the guy that I did know, I've seen him maybe three times since then. And every time I had a panic attack, that's just like complete, like clammy, like sick. I feel like I'm going to throw up. The first time was at a Jiffy Lube and I had a complete meltdown. And then the second time we went like a Walmart or maybe even Kmart. And I saw him and I avoided him at all costs. Get out of here, leave the basket, let's go. And it just felt, it's a violation all over again because you live in your best life. Like, he spoke to me at Jiffy Lube. He threw his hand up at me. Mm. My heart goes out to you. I am so grateful to you, Natasha, for being able to feel vulnerable enough with us to share this. Yes. And then I just want to say that I see you, I affirm you, and I love you. And I am so grateful oh, thank you. I love to you. know that you... Pour into your kids and do all you can to ensure that they know that they are seen, affirmed, and loved as well. So thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you. Absolutely, Natasha. Natasha, your story is going to save lives. I don't even think you understand because someone's going to hear your story and they're going to say, my goodness, I am carrying around the same load that I forgot was there. You minding your business in Jiffy Lube and here's this attack. I know exactly what that cloud of feeling feels like Mm -hmm. even just personally to share a quick story when I was talking to my mom or trying to be in her presence I remember I would see her call and I would make a certain face and a a girlfriend of mine one day said why do you do that your mom is just the sweetest and I'm like you don't even know the history you don't even know the history but in my own as Marion said I went inside I had to tap into myself girl why did you make that face because what am I holding on to that I can possibly let go at this point. And I had to recreate a narrative for myself. I hold these dope sessions where women come in and learn about self-care and things like that. It's called the mastermind. And I invited my mom in. She's a florist. And I was like, mom, can you teach the women how to make a flower arrangement? And when you make the flower arrangement, you name it after yourself and it teaches you how to take care of yourself. But I did that because... I had shunned my mom for so long. I wanted to put her in a space where I could just step back and learn from her. And it it just changed my entire perspective. And that's how I chose to like break that narrative oh, because okay. I do love my mom yeah, and course. I am accepting yeah. who she is and what her story was and what she could or couldn't give right. and just loving her for who she is today. Yeah. So that allowed me to change that narrative for myself. What are you ladies as well doing to continually break the cycle and move this forward for other people who may be experiencing mother hunger or just what you've gone through? For me, just being on this show is totally out of my comfort zone 
but thank Tracy so much for inviting thank me. Thank you for being because here. Because it gives me a chance to, to talk about it. Yes. And maybe someone can learn from my experience and maybe tap on to the way I had to deal with and the way I overcame that. As far as day to day, I'm learning how I am so much like my mother in a lot of ways. Mm. But at the same time, the compassion and the hugs and the kisses on the jaw and the acknowledgement, that's so much of who I am as well. So I just try to spread that and give that to everyone that I come in contact with. I have four God kids that that I raised. They're grown now. And one came by the house today and just hugged me and everything because that's Mm -hmm. what we did. So my God kids Mm -hmm. are great. And they're so loving because I I taught them to Mm -hmm. hug and touch each other. So that's the only thing that I can do now. Like I said, I wish I could share more of it with my mom with the state of mind that yeah. I'm in now. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. that that's what I'm doing. I started taking care of myself. The way that I am breaking the cycle of mother hunger in my family is showing up. That was one of the things that I really wanted, that I yearned for, was to be able to see, to look out at all the different things. Because I, I was an overachiever, mm-hmm. and I think that was part of wanting to be seen and be acknowledged. So I show up for all my nieces and nephews. I support them. I've silently followed them on social media. <laughs> <laughs> you know how that goes. <laughs> but I want to be there, and I try to be engaged and really listen and want them to understand how important they are and all the people that are in my life that I love and my family, how important they are. My stepson and my daughter-in-law, my grandkids, to be there for them and let them know that they matter because that's one of the most important things. What I want is for the people Mm -hmm. that came into contact with me to know that they didn't want some part of me that they missed. I want them to feel completely filled Mm. up. Yeah. Right. Come on, full. Come on, overflow. What about you, Natasha? And I'm going to ask you personally and professionally because it's the doula role for me, just knowing what you've gone through. So I acknowledge very much that my mother has experienced some things in her own personal life growing up and being the oldest of five siblings or six siblings. And so I understand some of the things that she has experienced and how it may have impacted how she treated me and the way that she mothered me. That being said, I also don't think that it's an excuse to do the things that have been done. That part. And so I have had to apologize to my twins for things that I may have said or me losing my mind or losing it for stuff that didn't have anything to do with them. Right. Um, just me being upset and not being able to control my own emotions or my own feelings mm-hmm. and expecting mm. something out of them as kids that I should not have expected out of them as kids. That's good. More growth. Good job. That's good really job. good. I think that I am breaking the cycle because my kids talk to me about everything. Nice. Okay. <laughs> That's important. That is so important. Which is a beautiful thing when we think about where we've been and what could be. That's a beautiful thing. Me and my son were tripping over gas prices. I was like, ain't gas high? He was like, yes. Oh, I love that. Look at this moment. (laughs) Right. (laughs) We have loved, I mean, absolutely loved having you all on here. There is so much more we could discuss because we have covered a lot. And I still have questions. I still want to know more. Like, you both were super engaging and I can't tell you how much I appreciate you 
feeling vulnerable and open and safe with us to share this. But Thank you. We have to go. Natasha, it was a pleasure it connecting was a pleasure with you. You blessed my life. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, you as well. Yes. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you so much. both for coming mm-hmm. to this virtual Red Table. We're going to take a break now, but when we return, we'll share our top five takeaways from this episode. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery. But that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily, as I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she? as my father believed, a witch. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including... Actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast, I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
the part of the show where we speed through five thoughts slash takeaways from the episode. Go ahead, Kara. Let's fire them off. <laughs> let's fire them off. <laughs> Number five, every bit of you that you heal, your daughter inherits. Kelly McDaniel said that, and that was mm-hmm. super powerful. Because I feel like in this season, me and my mom are even just healing at the same time. Like it's, Oh, wow. It's, it's a linear thing. I think we're growing together. I actually love it. Okay, very good. Number four, every mother is first a daughter. This is another gem from Kelly McDaniel. And we oftentimes do not acknowledge that with our mothers, that they were little girls and young adult, and that they had hopes and dreams and wishes too. Love that. Thank you, Kelly McDaniel. Love that. Love that. Number three, material gifts are not enough to satisfy developmental needs. Mm -mm. That is key. Love languages Mm -mm. are important. We got to look past and deeper than that, right? Right. Number two, it doesn't matter how old you are, mother hunger will always be there. Now, that is a fact. Wow. At 51, I can tell you, my mother hunger is alive and kicking. Thank you for that perspective, because I definitely understand. Okay. And number one, I think this is what you were somewhat talking about, Tracy. Once a pain is given a name, you can finally heal from something you didn't even know was there. So just because we didn't know to call it mother hunger, we all still felt it. We still had hunger. We want to know how you're feeling about this new season of Red Table Talk. We are open to talk about anything with you all. Yes. So send in your questions at Let's Red Table That at redtabletalk.com. We heard from Teresa Smith Hill this week, and she said, Can you also speak to the healing that includes forgiveness and the right and responsibility to set boundaries with your mother without guilt? Just because it is not malicious does not automatically absolve guilt. Go ahead. We appreciate you for sending in that comment first. So thank you, Teresa Smith. But Tracy, how'd you feel about that? Teresa Smith Hill, she was hitting home with that one. That is something. So please reach out if you want us to address something on Let's Red Table That. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe on iHeartRadio app and please rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts. We want a five. We'll be back next week for another episode of Let's Red Table That. A big thank you to our executive producers, Jada Pinkett-Smith, Ellen Rackerton, and Fallon Jethro. And thank you to our producer, Kyla Kaneru. And our associate producer, Yolanda Chow. And finally, thank you to our sound engineers, Calvin Bailiff. And Devin Donahue. Thank you. Let's red table that. Hey, let's red table that. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Take good care and we'll see you there. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast, Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.